welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. I'm so happy to be back with the fifth true horror episode. It's been almost a year since the last one. It was, I think the last one was in January. Um, I believe that's the longest we've ever gone in between true story episodes. Before we begin, just a little intro for those of you who are new to the show overall and maybe haven't listened to the other four true horror episodes, this is a special series where listeners send me their true, well, horror stories. They're not always paranormal, they're not always easy to wrap your head around, so I recommend going into this episode with an open mind. All of these stories are claimed to be factual by those who submitted them. I have not done any further research into each case beyond the emails I received with each story. I am just the messenger. A few of them had to be edited for time, which I mentioned within the episode at some point, but not for context. Also, a reminder to please reference the show notes for trigger warnings before beginning. Okay, let's go. Our first story is by Felicia Eve. This takes place in Newport Beach, California, where my aunt and her friends were living on the top floor of a cozy condo right off the beach. So my family and I went to stay with her. When we pull up to her place, she's standing out on the balcony waving at us. The sliding glass door behind her was completely opened and I noticed a man standing in the doorframe. Growing up, my aunt was like an older sister to me, and I loved to be around her friends. When we finally got to her place, I asked her who was her friend, because I wanted to meet him. She just looked at me funny and said, no one else was there. I figured she was trying to hide that she had a new boyfriend and dropped it for the time being. Later, we were all out at the beach when a boy came up and tried to flirt with me. I was 13, so I was at that stage of complete awkward puberty, where if anyone so much as looked at me, I'd just nope out to die. Plus, being in a bikini made me far too mortified and the little fucker wouldn't go away, so I just opted to head back to the condo by myself. I decided to chill in the living room and read. After about five minutes, I thought I heard running water but figured that one of the roommates may have been there without me knowing, or my ears were just fucking with me. I'm hard of hearing, and often will hear shit that's not really there. So, I ignored it. After a few minutes, the house cat came barreling down the hall into the living room, looking like they were running for their life. That sort of unnerved me, since I could tell he was legit frightened, but I thought maybe they farted themselves awake or some shit. I tried to pet them to try and soothe them, but they weren't letting me get close to them. It was pretty strange since he was totally cool with me earlier that day, and I'm known as the cat whisperer by my fam. I just let him do him as he continued hiding under the couch and went back to my book. Another few minutes passed and the furball hissed and darted out from under the couch back down the hall and out of sight. After another five minutes, The radio fucking clicked on and started playing at full blast. I obviously was scared out of my mind and ran out the door and down the stairs. The downstairs neighbors were kicking it on their patio and asked if I was okay. I honestly forgot what I said, but one of the guys chuckled and 
asked if I happened to meet the condo's ghost. Now I'm fucking terrified and say fuck being in that place by myself, not even caring about turning the radio off. I went back to join my family at the beach and didn't tell them anything that had happened. When we all had gotten back to the condo, the radio happened to be off. But other than that, the rest of the day was uneventful. That night, I slept in the living room where the balcony was. I suddenly jolted awake, which is something that just never happens to me. I felt suffocated and nauseous and had the strongest urge to get out of that room and outside onto the balcony. Once out there, I could breathe easier and didn't feel sick anymore. That's the end of what I encountered. I was finally able to ask my aunt the next morning if the guy that I saw was her boyfriend and if she was trying to keep it on the down low. She swore that she was alone and that it must have been her reflection in the glass door. But that damn thing was opened at the time, so it couldn't have been. Some time had passed, and while my mom and aunt were chatting, my aunt brought up that her roommate was convinced there was a ghost in the place. They were hearing running water, the cat was acting funny, the cable box would audibly click on and off, and just other weird shit. My aunt and her friends moved out years ago, and I honestly haven't talked to any of them about it. I recently tried finding any history on the place, but came up with nothing, aside from it having a lower-than-average asking price than similar condos in the area. Our next submission comes from Chelsea Z, and it's a few stories about one house. The house on Lynn Street. In a small town in Iowa, population of 27,000, I grew up in a house built in 1948, an A-frame house with four bedrooms and one and a half bathrooms. I grew up in that house with my dad and two other sisters, one older and one younger. The house still to this day has unexplained things happen. Around 1999, my mother left my father and her three daughters, ages seven, five, and two, behind. I don't know if my mom and dad had experienced anything together in that house, but after she left, a lot of things happened, and I remember them all vividly. The hair on my arms still stands up when thinking about it. The first major incident happened shortly after my mom left. I was about five or six. My dad laid my sisters and I down for a nap one afternoon and decided that would be the perfect time to mow the lawn. He was almost done with the lawn when he looked up from the backyard and saw me riding my tricycle around on the back porch. He turned the mower off and started walking up to the porch, but the tricycle suddenly was empty. Confused, he goes into the house and finds my sisters and I still sleeping in the exact positions we fell asleep in. The first incident I personally remember happened a year or so after that incident with my dad. Above our kitchen sink is a window that overlooks the backyard. We have a narrow but deep fenced-in backyard. I remember sitting up on the counter around six years old and seeing two people walking through the backyard towards the back. Their back was to me, so I never saw their faces. To this day, I still remember seeing them. The lady had her brown hair up in a ponytail with my Green Bay Packers jacket on. I remember being upset someone stole my jacket, and a tall black male who was bald, wearing a black jacket and khaki pants. 
I asked my dad why they were walking in the backyard and why she stole my jacket. My dad rushed to the window to find no one in the backyard at all. When I looked again, they were gone. Flashing forward a few years, I was a freshman in high school, so around 2008. My dad, his girlfriend at the time, and I were sitting in the living room talking when we kept hearing something rolling across the floor upstairs. Back and forth, back and forth. Finally, my dad and his girlfriend went up there to see what the noise was. A golf ball that was rolling towards them suddenly stopped in the middle of the floor. My dad picked up the golf ball from the floor, and it didn't happen again. Somewhere around the same time frame, I was home alone one night. It was around 9pm, and I was using our desktop computer to play games and on MSN Messenger with some friends. The stairs that lead upstairs are very loud and creaky. My dad kept my older sister's room up there when she started sneaking out so he could hear her leaving. But at this time, I believe, the room was vacant. All of a sudden, I hear footsteps upstairs. Very slow and mopey sounding. I try to rationalize the sound, but couldn't. Then, I hear the footsteps coming down the creaky stairs. Still very slow. I was so scared and called one of my guy friends who insisted it was nothing. Whoever slash whatever was coming down the stairs made it about halfway down, then stopped. I remember crying because I was so scared. Shortly after the footsteps stopped, the sound went back up the stairs. Then I heard a loud bang upstairs, like something very heavy was dropped or thrown. I remember it scaring me and making me jump hard. Then, complete silence. I called my dad panicking and telling him he had to come home. My dad came home shortly after and went and inspected. Nothing was broken, misplaced, or dropped. Nothing was wrong. He said it must have been a raccoon or a squirrel on the roof, which made no sense, but at the time I knew he wanted to try and calm down my nerves because I was obviously shooken up. Again, around this time, the worst experience I had ever experienced happened. I was in the living room on the couch. I slept out there often because I didn't have a TV in my room and needed one to fall asleep. Everyone in the house was asleep, and I was almost there myself. The whole house was dark and quiet, with only the TV on a very low volume. There's a doorway that leads into the kitchen towards the arm of the couch, the side near my feet. All of a sudden, I watch a very tall, misty gray figure walk into the living room and stand at the arm of the couch and just stare at me. He didn't have eyes or a distinguishable face. He was only a gray, misty shadow, but he had a head, arms, torso, and legs. He just stared at me. I was absolutely frozen with fear after what felt like hours I watched him turn around and vanish back into the kitchen. Get this, my dad and his current wife of six years still live in the house. My dad still hears and sees weird shit. My stepmom gets creeped out very easily, so he doesn't talk about it when she's around. One day when I went and visited just a few weeks ago, my stepmom went to run to the store quick. 
As soon as she left, my dad says, Something weird happened to me a few nights ago, and I can't talk to her about it. But I was laying in bed, and this tall, misty figure walked into the bedroom, stared at me, and then vanished. I instantly froze, then explained what had happened to me about ten years ago. I know I told him the story when it happened, but that was ten years ago. How insane! He also said he couldn't sleep one night, so he turned on the TV in the bedroom and started watching a TV show when he felt someone sit at the end of the bed. No one was there, and my stepmom was sleeping beside him. He felt the weight of someone at the end of the bed. After a bit, maybe five minutes or so, the weight lifted. Their dog always barks into the darkness, and his eyes follow things that aren't there, or that we can see with our own eyes. Word from our neighbors is that some little girl used to live in our house and ended up dying. Not in the house, but while living there. She, too, was about six years old and had blonde hair like me. That would have been back close to when it was built in 1948. That might explain the little girl my dad saw outside in the yard one day, and the spirit playing upstairs with a golf ball. That was her playroom, or bedroom, apparently. But the gray, misty figure and people walking in the backyard are still a mystery. The spirit or entity in that house is not evil, but they definitely aren't afraid of showing their presence. I hope you enjoyed my story about the house on Lynn Street. Thank you. Our next submission is from Jenny. This happened way back in elementary school. My school was just a short walk from my house, so I would often walk there with friends on weekends to hang out at the playground. One day during the weekend, I was there with one of my friends. The school had a large field next to the playground, and on the edge of the field to the side was a small cluster of trees and bushes. We were standing in the field near the trees, just talking. Suddenly, we both heard rustling and saw the bushes shaking. Then I saw a humanoid silhouette passing through the bushes. It was literally going right through the bushes, smoothly and with no trouble, even though most of them were blackberry bushes, which are covered in thorns. I couldn't make out any physical features on the silhouette, only that it was the shape of an adult. It soon disappeared from view. I told my friend what I saw, and she apparently didn't see the silhouette, but she did see and hear the bushes moving. This was definitely a stupid decision, but we were so curious, so we decided to walk into the wooded area to see what it was. We walked in, and there was no one there, even though it was a very small area. The area also felt empty. It's weird to think about it now, but at the time I just had a very strong feeling that no one had been there for a while. The weirdest part about not seeing anyone once we went in was that there were only two ways out of the area if you went in the direction the silhouette was traveling. There was either a little path that led right down to where we were, or a small fence that could be climbed over and would lead to a series of walking paths. We would have heard someone climbing the fence. Whatever I saw had just vanished. 
This next submission is from my longtime internet friend, Trista, who is the host of the very spooky podcast called Olympia Oddities, which deals with weird and spooky and mysterious things that happen in the Pacific Northwest area. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. It's also available on Spotify. So here is Trista's story. This is the story of the first and only time I've ever seen a ghost. Before I had this experience, I wasn't really a believer in anything paranormal, but this definitely helped open my mind to the possibility that we don't have all the answers. In my early 20s, I hung out with a group that liked to party a lot. Our main party space was a house owned by the family of my friend who I'll call R. This house was originally built as a brothel and hotel, serving as a stop between the two towns early settlers in the area often traveled to and from. I remember walking into the house for the first time and being blown away at just how much history you could feel in it. I'm addicted to that feeling of walking back in time, and was pretty much in awe every time I would show up to a party there. I'd heard vague mentions of ghosts and weird things happening from R, but never really paid much attention to it. I figured that it was just an old house, doing old house things. That's until I started to have my own experiences there. It started small, a light flickering, slowly dimming, something you would catch out of the corner of your eye in the middle of a conversation. This happened during many parties there, and me and R always seemed to be the only ones catching it, and we would shoot each other a, did you see that too? glance over our drinks. Sometimes the lights would go completely out in another room, and when we did a search of the house to make sure no one was pranking us, everyone was always accounted for. I started pressing R for more details of things he'd experienced, and he told me he'd had things go missing, lights turned off and on, and the most chilling of all to me, the piano had been playing itself. After learning these details, I started to get an uneasy feeling about the house. In the summer, we would have bonfires in the woods around the house, and to get to our spot, you needed to walk down a path through the woods, usually alone, in the pitch black, with only your cell phone's flashlight to guide you. One night, I was walking up to my least favorite part of the trail, a swing hanging from a tree branch that just totally creeped me out. Usually it sat motionless, but that night, it was spinning. It reminded me of when I would sit in a swing as a kid and spin one way to wind the chain tight, then let go so the swing would spin back fast the other way. I wanted to run back to my car, but instead I ran ahead and joined my friends at the bonfire. I asked if everyone had been there a while, trying to make sure it wasn't just spinning from one of my friends goofing around on it who had just been up the trail for me without me knowing. They told me everyone had been there a while, and everyone looked settled in. So, I sat with my spooky secret all night. Not too long after that, I was back for a small kickback with four of my friends. Things had been uneventful that night, and I hadn't drank more than two or three drinks because I had to work really early in the morning the next day. I decided to sleep in R's room that night, and he slept on the couch in his room. Before we headed to bed, 
He hooked his phone up to some speakers and put on some music. I fell asleep, but soon was woken up by the loud sounds of a very drunk R trying to get up and out the door to the bathroom. I watched the hall light turn on, and a crack of light came through the cracked bedroom door. I felt around for my phone, but couldn't find it, so decided to just lay there awake to make sure R got safely back to bed without falling down the stairs or anything. To my absolute horror, instead of R coming through the doorway, a black blur slowly creeped in instead. I was absolutely frozen as it stopped in the doorway, blanket pulled around me tight for whatever imaginary protection it was providing. Once it was fully in sight, my mind still could not grasp what it was seeing. The whole thing was black and fuzzy around the edges, almost like a smoke or a blur was around the outline. The top of the figure was the only thing with strong, distinguishing features, and it looked like the head of a man topped with a cowboy or Indiana Jones-style hat. That blended into a set of blurry shoulders. The rest of the figure was just a black, smoky mass down to the floor. I watched as it moved fluidly across the room, over to the phone that was still hooked up playing music. It stopped and lingered there for a few minutes, before turning towards the door and pouring back out of the room like smoke. R came back a minute or two later, which felt like a lifetime, sitting there terrified, alone in the dark. I started questioning him, asking him if he came back in here and stood next to the speaker like an absolute creep. He replied that no, he hadn't. He'd been in the bathroom the entire time. After turning on all the lights upstairs, we decided to go check on our other two friends, who had decided to sleep downstairs on the couch that night. Maybe one of them had come in to turn down the music. I instantly knew that this wasn't right though, since whatever had come into the room hadn't actually turned down the music at all. We went downstairs and found them both asleep, so we decided to just talk to them about it in the morning. I got back into the bed, since my only other option was the couch near the phone and the speakers, and I definitely didn't want to be closer to whatever the hell that thing was. I didn't sleep at all for the rest of the night. I just laid there in bed, blanket around me, eyes fixed on the door. Nothing else happened that night, and I couldn't have been more relieved when it was finally time for me to head to work that morning and leave it behind me. I never saw the house the same after that night. I still went to parties there, but completely refused to go upstairs alone. When I had to go to the bathroom, I'd make someone go with me. My final straw with the house wouldn't come until nearly a year later, when one of the doors to the room with the bar in it closed right after a conversation about our paranormal experiences in the house. This was the most activity we'd experienced since I saw whatever that black mass was upstairs, so I was pretty freaked out. After poking fun at me for a bit, my friends changed the subject once again, only for the other door in the room to shut with force and the light in the other room went out at the same time. I found a safe ride home and left as soon as I could. I'm no longer part of this friend group for a lot of reasons. I don't party anymore, I'm eight months alcohol free, and some of these people turned out to just really suck. But take it from me when I say that 
it's just that much easier to give up the party lifestyle when you've got a pissed off ghost. Thanks for listening. Trista, over at Olympia Oddities. This next story was submitted by someone who wishes to remain anonymous. I am an army kid in India, and thus almost always have to switch places. This time I had to stay in an old village with a lot of colonial houses and abandoned houses. My friends and I had always been adventurous and famous five fans, so naturally we had to go to the abandoned church uptown. There were a lot of panthers in this place, but as long as we were home long before night, it was fine. We decided to go there around the evening. Everything was fine. There were old books, broken benches, the norm. Then we noticed that there was a woman sitting on a grave. She looked at us and fixed us with such a piercing glare. We all froze. She moved towards us and spoke in a cracking, inhuman voice. And what would you kids be doing here? Looking for a grave? She pointed to the grave she was sitting on and said, That one's empty. We ran and screamed for our lives. I looked back. The woman was staring at me and then suddenly smiled. I was confused, but kept on running anyway. So that's my story. Hope you love it. Our next submissions came from Amy, who sent in quite a few, and they were all amazing, but to be honest, this I got way more submissions than I was prepared for. Um, I've underestimated how much the show has grown since my last true horror episode when I was almost scrambling to find enough stories to fit the time. And so this one, I I picked out two. Um, hopefully we will do another True Tales episode and I'll be able to tell you a few more of them that Amy sent in. So the first one she called The Three Faceless Demons. I'm not sure when it exactly started, but I was still in Philippines then. I'll just guesstimate it around the year 2000. I remember hearing about Ouija boards and contact with the other side at school, but I didn't have money to buy a board. I decided to make my own using a piece of paper. I decided to make contact with the spirits in the first floor of our house, which was pretty dark even during the daytime. My mom was out grocery shopping then and my brother was asleep. I believe it was on a weekend around noon, and I remember being confident nothing was going to happen since it was still daytime outside. I placed my makeshift Ouija on the floor and only had a single flashlight above it. I put a coin in the middle and started asking if anyone was there. Nothing happened for a while, as I had expected, until I asked if its presence can be known by moving the coin. Mind you, I was alone doing this. So when the coin moved to yes, I was a bit taken aback by this response. I then asked if the entity was good or bad, and right before my eyes, my makeshift Ouija board started to burn. Fortunately, it was on the floor and nothing around me can be burned easily. I then felt a cold drop in temperature, which was unusual, since the only windows that was in the room was shut tightly. I immediately ran back upstairs, just as my brother was waking up. I didn't tell anyone about my experiences. When I moved to Guam, I didn't feel anything different until about I started middle school in 2003. 
I started noticing that I would wake up randomly in the middle of the night and not be able to move, though at first I couldn't see anything. But the more consistent this occurrence became, the more I started to see a figure hovering over me while laying in the dark, paralyzed. I started feeling drained and started seeing my breath being sucked by this entity. I thought that one demon couldn't really hurt me, even if it drained me little by little every night, so I just left it alone. Then one night, while I was paralyzed, I discovered in total fear that there were three of them taking turns, sucking the life out of me. I started to pray, and it took a while before they all went away. I regained my movement, but felt even more drained than how I've been feeling since this whole experience started. This routine lasted until I graduated high school in 2010. Up to this day, I still experience them, but it's not as often as before anymore. They only come about once a month now. The second one by Amy is Five Entities in the Living Room. This happened in 2007. It was around 8.30pm and I was on the phone with one of my friends talking about our later boy crushes. I started feeling goosebumps on both of my forearms and had a strong sensation that I wasn't alone in the living room anymore. At the time, we had a sofa across from the window of our house and I was in the recliner. I looked towards the sofa, phone still in hand, and screamed. My friend was asking me what happened and I told her there were five entities around my sofa. One was in a wedding gown with her veil down. She proceeded to lift the veil from her face, only to reveal a bloody mess of flesh where her face should have been. Then there was a small child with black sockets where his eyes should have been, peeping from behind the lower left corner of the couch. He opened his mouth and hissed at me like a cat. Then there was a man with his back to me staring out of the window. I never did see his face. An old haggard woman sitting to the left of the couch humming a tune so softly I could barely hear it if I wasn't so focused on them. The last entity was a black mass forming itself into a human shape, but it looked like it was having a hard time doing it. I told my friend that I would call her back and hung up the phone from the living room. I then used my mom's phone to call her back because I didn't want to go back out to the living room after that experience. Around 9.30pm, I gathered up the courage to go back outside to check if they were still there, but they were all gone. Our next submission came from Anna Rose. This is a true story of something that happened to me. It still keeps me up at night. A lot of people wouldn't believe my story if I told it to just anyone. Only close friends and true believers. When I was about 16 and I started to dabble in the supernatural world, much more than I previously had been, I had an encounter. I was dating a new guy and his ex-girlfriend was nothing short from harassing me. It got to the point that she would follow me around school and start fights with me. I went home on a day that we got into a fight and decided I needed magic to deal with her. I went digging online for the perfect spell. Now, at that time, my family did not yet teach of the differences in black magic and white magic. I come from a family of witches and psychics. I found the perfect spell. It would bring nightmares to the person I casted the spell on. 
I did everything as instructed. I printed out a picture of her, I set up a salt circle, I grabbed a black candle, I grabbed a cup of water, and wrote down the words to the spell. I performed the spell and burned her picture, watching her face sizzle away in my fingertips. But I knew I had dealt in the wrong form of witchcraft when my bedsheet caught fire. I still don't know how it happened, as I remember I don't think I had the flaming picture near my bed or the candle, but it happened. I felt my heart beat out of my chest and poured the cup of water on my bedsheet. I quickly discarded the ashes out of my window and vacuumed up the salt circle. The next day in school, I was ecstatic when I saw her eyes with huge bags and the look of trauma on her face. I knew my spell had to have worked. I went home and my boyfriend came over that day. He spent the night, and that is when things got weird. Every time my eyes started to shut, I would see a figure in the corner of my room, across from my bed, looming there. There was nothing causing a shadow to cast on the wall, which confused me greatly. The shadow was so tall, its legs went beyond the floor, and its head reached two inches to the ceiling. For the next few weeks, I would stare at the shadow until I fell asleep. That's when it happened. My boyfriend was up in the middle of the night as I was trying to sleep. He was talking nonsense. It seemed like his words wouldn't compile correctly. And then they did. He sat up and looked at me eerily, like he was staring into a void. And that's when I noticed the shadow was gone for the first time in weeks. It's hard to recall the exact words, as if parts of my conversations were erased. But still, in the back of my mind, I remember panicking and saying his name to get him to respond to me, but nothing, until he said, I'm Amy. I need to speak with you. I thought he was playing a joke on me, but no matter how much I told him, it was him and he was pranking me. He didn't stop which was odd for him. Usually the second I caught on, he would giggle and give up. This happened for two nights after. Each morning, I asked him if he was trying to scare me, but he kept denying it. That night, he told me, It's like I'm there, but I can't speak. I hear this voice in my head talking to me, and I hear myself talking back. That's when I asked him if he was being serious, and he said yes with a truly fearful look on his face. He told me, I think a demon is in my head. That's when I looked up Amy Demon on Google and came to find that Amy was a male demon, a demon who ruled parts of hell. He was a teller of truths and one that others had encountered. They all said they were seriously harmed afterwards. I remember saying, Amy, what do you want to talk about? And he spoke to me. He told me my boyfriend was doomed to hell unless I protected him. I started to cry. I didn't know what that meant. He explained everything, yet I don't exactly remember what he said or what he explained. I remember asking how I could protect him, and I was told that I was a guardian angel sent to earth by God to be put in the path of people who needed protection. I remember this because it dwells on me always. I was told that if I didn't protect him, Amy would take him away. 
Well, I looked up everything I could find about earthbound angels and found a ton of information. The one thing that stood out to me was that angels sent to earth can't bear children, and if they did, they died during labor. I cried as I read this. All I wanted was children to teach them the ways of my family and all about God, what I believe earth was created for to give God more people to love him. And yes, my whole family, except a small few, are Christian witches. I saged my room, but three days later, Amy came back to tell me that sage only protects for so long and that if I wanted to keep him away, I need more than just that. I used two whole sticks of sage that night, and the next day, Amy was gone. A year later, I broke up with my boyfriend. He clung to me too much after this encounter. I was 19 years old when I get a message on Facebook from his father telling me his son, my ex-boyfriend, had passed away. I could only think of Amy and that breaking up with my boyfriend had set in motion his fate to be doomed. Not many people believe this story. I know some do and some don't. I only share it with people who have had supernatural experiences or my friend that has a demon pal in hopes to warn her to break the connection. Since then, I have never hexed anyone and I have not used black magic. Every night, I stare at the corner of my bedroom, looking for the shadow. At 23 years old, I am still not pregnant after trying for two and a half years. Am I a guardian angel? I don't know. But I do know that it scares me, and that I will never be the same after anything I had experienced. I now help people who think they have a demon or a negative spirit problem in hopes they don't go through what I had. All I know is the only good that came from this was the business I started because of it. Thank you so much for reading my story. For myself, it is true. For others, it's something I imagined. I'm just happy to share it with you. Our next submission is from Jeremy, and he titled it UFO Edition, which is apropos because I don't believe I've had many UFO stories on the show. So here it is. Over my life, I have seen a few UFOs. This does not mean I have solid opinions about what they were, and the order in which I convey them will hopefully explain why I'm so hesitant to draw conclusions. That said, I've seen these unexplained things over my life, and I remain open about what they might be. The first was when I was seven years old. I was with my grandmother, and we were driving along the highway to pick up something for dinner. That was when I saw a band of lights in the sky. The best way to describe it is to compare it to a tilt-a-whirl. It was a ring of multicolored lights and slowly rotating just ahead and above the tree line. My grandmother turned into whatever fast food place we were going before I could point it out to her, though she would have probably just humored me if I had. Given the way the highway ran, I couldn't see it when we left, but I saw it again when we got home. I can't say if that means it moved, however. I did manage to talk my dad into going outside for me to point it out before we started to eat, yet it was no longer in the sky. The second was when I was 15. My mom, stepfather, and I moved into the house my stepfather grew up in a couple years earlier. 
My room was in the basement, which had long been converted into a separate apartment. One night, I was in the bathroom, not at all smoking anything illegal, and therefore was innocently sitting in the dark. Without the light on, I could see through the window and was watching the night sky when I saw a red light move across the sky. It slowly traveled along, only to suddenly stop. It then appeared to then come closer, only to abruptly shoot upwards and disappear out of my sight. I'm going out of order now and skipping to the fourth and last UFO I saw. I was 22 and had gone camping with some friends at a lake. Later in the night, I went down to see the edge of the lake with one of my friends. She and I had been testing the ground to see if we might be more than just friends and wanted to be alone. We were talking and drinking a few beers when we both noticed something moving across the sky. It was little more than a small light and since we were so far away from the city, we thought we might be seeing a planet. Until we saw it was likely moving too fast for that, so maybe a satellite or high plane? When it unexpectedly jumped to another spot in the sky, we knew we were certainly not seeing any of those things. Now, for the reason I'm so hesitant to draw any conclusions about any of these, I'll tell you about the third UFO I saw. It was the summer after I graduated high school and had a job working nights. I usually wouldn't get home until near midnight, and on this particular night, we had a few people call in, so I was pretty tired when I got home thanks to the extra work. As I crossed the yard to the house, it seemed to get brighter. I looked up to find a triangular object giving off a silvery white glow hovering in the sky. I could only stare at it when it shimmered and began to change shape into something circular. It was then I finally realized I was merely looking at the moon. It had been raining earlier that day, but the weather system was moving out. The moon had simply been behind some clouds of variable thickness. Had I not been so worn out, I probably would have seen it for what it was immediately. And that's why I'm cautious about drawing an opinion on what these might be. Under the right circumstances, even something as familiar as the moon can appear, pun fully intended, completely alien. Our next submission is from Peyton. This happened on my best friend's 11th birthday. She was having a sleepover, and my parents knew hers, so I was allowed to go. I always had a hard time making friends, so I thought I would make tons of new friends that night. It started off pretty normal. We did normal girly things like painting our nails and trying out her makeup kit she had gotten. She seemed normal and like she was having fun. To this day, I have no clue what was going through her head. Her parents went out to the back porch when it started to happen. She asked me to follow her to the kitchen. I did. And in a mix of shock, horror, and fear, she pulled out the largest knife in the house. She looked at me with a grin plastered on her face. She then told me she was going to kill me. She chased everyone around the house, cackling like a maniac. I hid for what seemed like hours, crying for my life. Her parents came in and stopped her. She was dazed after her parents grabbed her arms. She began to cry after I told her about what happened. She tried to kill herself three times that night. After she fell asleep, 
Everyone else did. All but me. I was too afraid to go to sleep that night. I stayed up all night. I asked her younger sister why she didn't sleep in her own room. I still remember why. She told me at night the door to her closet would open on its own and slam shut. I went to check her room to prove to her that there was no reason to be afraid. My blood ran cold at what I saw. I watched as the closet door creaked open and slammed shut. I ran out of the room as fast as I could. Around midnight, I was hungry, and so was another girl. We went downstairs when she screamed. She was on the ledge of the stairway and was staring at the floor below. I was too scared to find my voice to scream. On the floor below us was the dark shape of a man. When he saw us, he looked up and ran straight into the wall and disappeared. I stayed up until morning. I asked her what it was. What my friend told me made me freeze up in fear. The man I had seen was her deceased father. To this day, I wonder was it insanity or was it possession that made her want to kill? After that, I didn't want to go over to her house. She moved a month later and I haven't seen her in four years. From Peyton, P.S. I know this seems to be fake or my imagination, but it's true. Please believe me. Next up is a submission from Liz. Liz was another one um, that she sent in a few stories, which was amazing. Again, this is not a complaint. I'm so happy that so many of you had so many stories, but I had to cut, I believe it was only one of three from Liz just for time. I'm so sorry, Liz. Um, Again, for those of you who I had to trim a little, just feel free to either send them back in next time I do a true stories episode, the ones that I missed, or just shoot me an email and tell me that I can hang on to them for next time. So this is from Liz. Let me start off by saying all of this is true. Only the names were changed. So I repeat 100% true and experienced by yours truly. I don't care if no one believes me or giggles nervously when I tell them, unsure of what to say in case I turn out to be nuts, because I know what I saw. Also, I am not a writer, so bear with me. The rest of these short stories take place at a cemetery. How original, I know. But where else do kids go to hang out when the one store for miles is a feed store and it closes at 7? To give an idea of how small this place is, and so you know it's real, if you search McIntosh Road in Thanota Sassa and follow the road a little ways down a smaller street, there will be a church called Missionary Church. I'd give you the address, but it doesn't have one. There is one street light between the church and the cemetery. Right next to it is a small graveyard that you can see through the trees on Google Maps. Story one takes place when my friend Wren, her boyfriend James, two other friends, and myself decided to visit the graveyard one night. We drive around to make sure no one is there because we don't want to be rude if anyone is grieving and don't see anyone. We get out and walk around for 20 minutes when suddenly, out of nowhere, I get an urge to start crying. I let the others know and they do some light teasing and decide to let me hold one of their hands for comfort. Another ten minutes go by, and someone else says we should leave. James agrees, and since it was three out of five, we decided to go. 
As we are driving away, James says, You guys are going to think I'm being stupid, but I swear, I saw a man sitting in the car while we were walking around. I figured it was a trick of the light or something. (laughs) I never saw anything. Then again, I was too busy watching my step, lest I step on someone sleeping. Another friend looked at him with fright and responded, I did too. It looked like they were wearing a hat. James nodded. They had both seen the same thing. But to not scare me any further, even though I wasn't scared that I was aware of, just ready to cry for no reason, had kept it to themselves until we knew we were safely away. Another time, I was driving down the road past the cemetery around 3 a.m. I don't remember where I was going, but I know it was away from my home, which used to be 10 miles from the cemetery, when I suddenly see an older gentleman in a full suit walking down the street in front of the cemetery. I was going too fast to make out anything other than his slumped shoulders. Maybe it was nothing. But it is weird that right there, at that hour, a man in a suit was walking in the middle of nowhere. Finally, this is the story that made it so we never went back to that cemetery again around 11pm. Renee, James, my boyfriend at the time Seth, and I were doing our usual teen idiocy, and I decided it would be fun to fool around at the graveyard, if you get my drift. We went to the gas station and bought some whipped cream, one for each couple. We obviously drove around making sure no one was there because we didn't want to get caught. It was empty. We parked the car just outside of the halo of the streetlight and put up a curtain between the front and back seat. We make out, fool around. I don't know what they were doing because of the curtain, but eventually, maybe 10 to 15 minutes later, I decide it's too hot in the car and I want some fresh air. Seth and I open the door and get out, leaving the other two to continue whatever. When I see it, a lit candle. I get nervous because I know it wasn't there before. I knock on the window of the front seat and much to my friend's annoyance, motion for her to lower the window. Was that candle always there? I ask with hope. What candle? She looks at me puzzled and I point. They both get out of the car. Her confused because we drove around and never saw anyone, much less a freaking candle in the pitch black. Note that you can see a single flame from a distance of 3.6 or more miles at night, so most certainly from 12 feet away. And he was, I guess, angry? Maybe he thought some freak had been watching us. Anyway, Renee, Seth, and I move into the light of the streetlight while James goes and looks to see what it is. After a couple of moments, he walks back to us with a shrug and calls, No one is there! It's just a candle. Just then, Renee and I see it. Someone was behind him, walking towards us. We yell at James to be careful. Someone is there. He jumps in front of us and yells into the night, Hello? Hey, answer me! He had seen the man, too. The man kept walking towards us and responded with a raspy, Hello? We freaked out because now we know we aren't all having the same hallucination. James yells back, 
What are you doing here? At this point, the four of us were in the streetlight and the man was still walking towards us. A dark silhouette against the dark with only the moon as light. There was a tree between us and him. When the man stepped behind the tree, that was it. We, like morons, stood there and waited for the man to reappear on the other side of the tree, but he never did. Maybe he monkey-manned his way up the tree silently, because after waiting for about one and a half minutes, we ran to the car, got in, and slammed the locks down. We then used the headlights of the car to see if we could see the man. No one. He was gone. Like I said, maybe up the tree? But we left and never went back. Sometimes when we are sitting alone, Renee and I will turn to each other and ask, What do you think that was? About all these things. We will never find out, but it still makes us shiver. Our next submission of the evening comes from H. Lee, and this, this is quite a doozy, everyone. So, buckle up. Was I awake? I couldn't be sure. I could remember my cousin going to bed an hour or two earlier. I stayed at her place a lot, hanging out, smoking weed, and watching movies we would inevitably forget. It was typical of her to head off to bed before me, leaving me to my area, the living room, for the night. I'd always been a night owl, and... At this time in my life, I was basically an insomniac. I had so much on my overly anxious mind that it usually took hours of just lying there before I finally nodded off. But even so, maybe I had drifted off to sleep. Just drifted. Or was I awake? My cousin's apartment was small. It was the top floor of an old converted wartime home in the downtown area of a crowded city. It was the perfect place for a single girl who didn't need much in terms of space. One bedroom at the top of the stairs, a bathroom, a living room, and a kitchen. That was it. When my cousin would head off to bed most nights, I would stay up and continue watching TV until my eyelids would get heavy and the flickering glow of the TV lulled me to sleep. That was my typical routine. I hardly ever slept without that comforting television glow and the low murmur of distant conversation. I believe I must have been somewhere in the in-between realm, not quite sleeping, but flirting with the Sandman. From where I would sleep on the couch, you could see straight into the kitchen. The couch was up against the far wall in the living room, and the TV was about 10 feet ahead of me. Beyond that, you'd find the kitchen. At night, when all the lights were off, even with the glow from the TV, the kitchen was dark. There would be a low light of the city night coming in from the windows and bouncing off a surface here and there, but otherwise, there was just black. That night, in the in-between, I saw something that must have been my cousin standing in the kitchen. I didn't hear her get up, which was odd, the apartment being as small as it was, but it had to be her. We were the only ones there. I watched for a few moments, and the figure just stood there. It was standing by the sink, looking down, long, dark hair hanging loosely, draping over both sides of the figure's face. 
It was shrouded in dark, looking like Amara from the ring, only darker. It wasn't moving at all. Even as I continued to watch, there was not a twitch or a shuffle. I didn't even think it was breathing. Marie? I called out my cousin's name quietly. She, it, did not move. It stood where it was, head hanging down, unmoving, unbreathing. I must have been closer to the edge of sleep than I thought because soon enough, I had actually fallen asleep. You might be asking how that was possible, but it's amazing what the brain can rationalize. In my half-asleep state, the figure was my cousin. That was what I needed to believe. And so I did. At least for the night. The next morning, I asked my cousin if she had been up during the night. She didn't hesitate in her response. No, she was a pretty heavy sleeper. The weed tended to do that to her. When she was out, she was out, until morning. Of course, she could have been sleepwalking, or perhaps had just forgotten getting up for a drink of water, or maybe a midnight snack. Maybe she had been too sleepy to remember that early morning's roaming. Again, my brain decided to rationalize, accept this as the truth, as it was the only thing that made sense. That was until a few nights later. I was awake. I knew I was awake this time. I remember clearly lying on the couch, watching TV, trying to fall asleep, but the Sandman wasn't even flirting with me tonight. So instead, I just lay there, staring at the TV, barely watching it and hoping for a miracle. What I got instead was anything but. I had mentioned that the living room looked on into the kitchen. But sitting on the couch, looking to the left, separating the bathroom door from the living room, was a small partition. In that flickering glow, something near that partition caught my eye. There was something moving at the edge of that wall. Something was behind it. That was when, as I watched, someone or something curled its fingers slowly around the edge. First, its right hand, four fingers curling and then latching. Then its left, four fingers curling and then latching. It was almost as if there was something pulling itself towards the living room from behind. As if it was not standing on the floor, but instead was crawling along the wall and was fighting its way forward wanting into the place where I slept where I had slept the night before and where it knew I always slept my heart hammered and I jumped flicking on the lights when I looked back to the spot where the hands had been they were gone I was alone in the room again I was alone and I was awake I was asleep this time I was asleep. I knew I was sleeping because I could see myself. I was lying on the couch, the light from the window behind, casting a bluish glow on the blankets curled around me. I could see myself. But how could I see myself? I was looking down at my body, which led me to the conclusion that I... 
I was on the ceiling. Or a part of me was. I wasn't prone to astral projection. I knew of the phenomenon, but I didn't believe I had ever done such a thing before. But there I was, outside my body, looking at myself from the far corner, looking at myself from the ceiling, and then, looking down at my body, I realized I wasn't alone. The figure from the kitchen was there. She was there with me. She was crouching on the arm of the couch beside me. Crouching like a child inspecting a bug on the ground in fascination. Knees up to her chest. Back and head arching forward towards me. That same long dark hair hanging down over her face. But it wasn't a bug she was inspecting. It was me. And she wasn't just looking. She was touching me. She, or it, was gently running its thin white fingers through my hair. Just watching and petting, watching and petting. I could feel myself panic, but I couldn't move. I was stuck on the ceiling on the other side of the room. I couldn't even scream. How was I supposed to get back to my body? I could feel myself fighting, but it was useless. All I could do was watch, helplessly, watching as it sat watching me, watching and petting. I woke up. Don't ask me how, but I got back, back into my body, and I woke up. I later told my cousin and her visiting siblings what had happened. Nobody believed me, of course. I didn't even believe me. Was I awake? Was I astral projecting? Maybe it was all just a very vivid, very detailed nightmare. However, I still couldn't shake this eerie feeling in me. I couldn't stop picturing it with its fingers running through my hair. If I had a hard time sleeping before, it was near impossible now. This thing had started in the kitchen, and then it had moved closer and closer, making its way to the living room wall. Then it was there, right there, right on top of me, in insidious progression. This creature, what was it? And what did it want with me? Time passed, and eventually my cousin moved. I remember... A little while after my experience, I had spoken to my cousin's brother, and he had mentioned that he believed me now. I was surprised. I mean, I was also relieved, but I was very surprised. He wasn't one to just change his mind or beliefs on a whim. So I asked him why. He said he had seen it too. One night, as he sat on the couch watching TV... He said he saw something moving out of the corner of his eye, at the edge of the living room, by that same wall. He had seen a face. I had never seen its face. 
My cousin told me it, it wasn't human, this face. Not like a spirit of a previous owner or a lost loved one come to visit. This face was very, very unpleasant. This face was demonic. He said he had tried to take a picture, but it didn't come out right on his camera. Figure, but at least someone believed me now. I still think about it sometimes. About the demon behind the wall. I wonder what it had wanted. Was it just there to frighten us? To feed off our sleeplessness and the pounding of our hearts? Or did it want more? It came so close to me. It touched me. What if it had gotten inside? Would I even know? I've never seen it again. Maybe it had stayed with the house, haunting the next tenants, causing them to have sleepless nights. Or maybe it stayed with me and is somewhere inside. Somewhere it can't be seen. Am I awake? And our last true tale of the evening comes from Jasmine. When my grandma was alive, she used to always tell stories about her grandfather, and she would always tell me how he was a black witch. In fact, she claimed he wasn't a black witch, but THE black witch. He had the opposite of the Bible, which she referred to as the black book. She also claims she saw him turn into a crow and back. One night on the way back home, it was me, my mom, and my grandma. She started telling us about an experience that she went through herself. When she was younger, one of his children had an abusive boyfriend. One night, this child was beaten almost to death. Her grandfather, obviously enraged, brought his book with him, which was very uncommon, and started to read from it. As he was reading, my grandma claimed that she saw his child rise from where she was, float into the house and onto a chair where she could rest. However, he wasn't done yet. When his daughter was safe, he turned into a crow and, with his book, flew off into the night. The next day, they looked for the abusive boyfriend. He was nowhere to be found. My great-grandfather didn't come back for a week. The abusive boyfriend was never found again. As she was finishing her story, all of us were on edge as every time we discussed my great-grandfather, all three of us ended up with three scratches on our bodies by the morning light. However, I realized that it was extremely dark on the road. The sun had set by then. I looked around and realized that the light posts should have turned on by then. But they hadn't. I paused before I said, Ahem, so, how was your day? As soon as I uttered those words, all of the lampposts turned on. Freaked out, we all decided to run into the house as fast as possible. My grandma turned in early while my mom and I stayed up. About three o'clock in the morning, we were falling asleep in the living room when my younger brother, about three at the time, wailed like someone was in his room. He ran to us with red eyes and full of tears. When asked what was wrong, he said, The little boy in my room won't let me sleep. He has complained about this little boy, but never had I seen him so distraught. He fell asleep in our arms before we returned him to his room. About an hour later, my mom and I talked about how frightened we were. 
I sat with our window behind us, and my mom sat next to the hallway. As I mentioned my great-grandfather, I hear three loud and clear knocks from the window behind me. My mom claimed she didn't hear it. As soon as I heard it, I looked up at her in fear, and my dog starts barking as if someone's standing at the door. A couple of minutes passed when I decided, nope, I'm going to bed. You'd think that's where the horror ended. No. As I fell asleep, against the wall, I felt something in the room. I opened my eyes and found I couldn't move. I knew this was sleep paralysis, and I thought, oh, okay, this is fine, don't panic. I heard a deep, raspy, otherworldly voice whisper in my ear, If you fall back to sleep, I'll kill you. I couldn't hold out any longer, and after the fear subsided, I fell back asleep. The next morning, I woke up with chills and shakes as I had fallen ill. When I next saw my mom, she told me that after I had fallen asleep, that a bright orb of light had floated from the hallway into the living room. It hovered in front of her for a bit, then disappeared. That was the last night my grandma told us a story of my great-grandfather. The black book is missing. Recently, my mother has been blowing up at our family members. She's become more aggressive, and she's never acted this way. It may be nothing, but I have never seen her act this way before. I also have been experiencing electrical flickers wherever I go, and it never happens to any other family members. When I first thought about sending this story, I was in the bathroom filling my dog's water bowls with water when the lights flickered. Obviously, I brushed it off. As I was writing the email at my desk, the lamplight had been flickering as well. The day after, I was in my parents' room talking with my family when we suddenly smelled burning rubber. Fearing that a fire had started in one of the rooms, my dad and I searched all the rooms to no avail. As we are in the extreme heat, I suddenly thought if the fire was outside. My dad and I ran outside, but again we found nothing. Later, my dad came into my room and told me that the TV in my parents' room had suddenly turned black. My dad looked behind the TV and found that the cord was unexpectedly burning. Everything was normal, so we have no clue how the cord ended up burning. I have included the picture to show where it was burning. Aside from Shelby, I will post that on the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. The computer that I wrote the email on has repeatedly and suddenly turned off with no explanation. As I am writing this email, my lamp is flickering as well. I know that this may be mere coincidences, but these have very peculiar timings. I now experience voices at night. Everyone is asleep, and I can hear, even as I type, a man speaking. It sounds very faint, but very much like chanting. When I very stupidly open the door, it stops. I do not open my door often. I am too scared of what may be staring me down as I slowly open my door. I have also felt cold spots in my room, moving from one corner to the next. However, I ignore it as my grandma has always taught me that ignoring it is the greatest way to take away its power. Recently, my significant other has cut through the cemetery to run an errand when I was very frustrated at the time. I texted him while cursing in the message. He claims he was taking the road leading to my grandma's grave when he heard a woman say, Stop cursing. His truck window was up, and he was driving by himself. 
I wonder if it could really be my great-grandfather's spirit, or even my grandma's spirit, trying to warn me about poking around in things I'm not supposed to. Thanks for listening, and thank you to all of those brave souls who submitted their true stories. Some of them literally gave me goosebumps and had me turning on extra lights in my apartment at night. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, Instagram, and you can join the Facebook group where there is already a discussion thread up for this episode, and you can talk about all the stories you heard here tonight. You can send your submissions to both fiction and nonfiction to scareyoutosleep at gmail.com to be considered for the show, and if chosen, your story will receive the full Scare You to Sleep audio treatment. All right, I think that's all for now. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.